Chapter Fourteen of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Fourteen: The base designs of the Count de Bellefleur occasion a melancholy change in Louisa's way of life. The generous behaviour of Monsieur de Plessis on that occasion. Had the agonies Louisa suffered been of very long continuance, she must have sunk under them but grief is easily dissipated in a young heart and she awoke more tranquil the principles of religion grew stronger as her passion weaker and she reflected that she ought to submit in everything to the will of heaven which sometimes converts what seems the greatest evil into good the offer of such a match as monsieur de plessis a man she loved and who was master of accomplishments which might excuse the most violent passion appeared indeed a happiness she would have gloried in if she had been really such as he took her for but then she had known him but a very short time had no experience of his principles or humour and though he seemed all honour could not assure herself that the generosity which so much engaged her might not be all artifice at least she found to think so would most contribute to her ease therefore indulged it as much as she was able she condemned herself for having given Monsieur de Plessis permission to continue his visits, after having assured him he had nothing to hope from them, because a further conversation might only serve to render both more unhappy. She resolved, however, to give him no opportunity of talking to her of his passion, and in order to avoid thinking of it herself as much as possible, to go, as usual, into all company that came to Melanthe, and partake of every diversion that offered itself accordingly she forced herself into a gaiety she was far from feeling vainly imagining that by counterfeiting a cheerfulness she should in time be able to resume it but duplessis hung too heavy on her heart and when she affected the greatest show of mirth it was often interrupted with sighs which she was not always sensible of herself he visited her almost every day under one pretence or other but she took such care never to be alone at the times that she could possibly expect him that he had not the least opportunity to renew his addresses any other ways than by his looks which notwithstanding were perfectly intelligible to her though she seemed not to observe them melanthe no longer able to keep the secret of her amour finding louisa as she thought had entirely regained her former sprightliness acquainted her with all that had passed between herself and count de bellefleur which though the other was no stranger to she seemed astonished at and could not help telling her that she feared the consequence of an intrigue of that nature would one day be fatal to her peace yet said melanthe where one loves and is beloved it is hard to deny oneself a certain happiness for the dread of an imaginary ill in fine my dear louisa i found i could not live without him and heaven will sure excuse the error of an inclination which is born with us and which not all our reason is of force to conquer but added she you always seem to speak of the count as of a man that wanted charms to excuse the tenderness i have for him and i have observed deny him those praises which i have heard you bestow very freely on persons that have not half his merit louisa knowing how vain it was to contest with inclination in persons who are resolved to indulge it 
and also that all advice was now too late, began to repent of what she said. If, madame, replied she after a little pause, I have seemed unjust to the count's perfections, it was only because I feared you were but too sensible of them, for otherwise, it must be owned, he has a person and behaviour extremely engaging. But as the carnival will put an end to all the acquaintance we have contracted here, it gives me pain to think how you will support a separation. Perhaps it may not happen so soon as you imagine, said Melanthe, though the carnival and with it all the pleasures of this place will soon be over. Our loves may be continued elsewhere. Suppose, Louisa, we go to France, added she, with a significant smile that showed it was her intention to do so. Some company coming in prevented any farther discourse on this head for the present, but afterward she confirmed what she had now hinted at, and told Louisa that she had resolved to pass some little time in seeing those places which were on her way to France, and afterwards meet the Count at Paris, on his return from the campaign. Louisa, unable to determine within herself whether she ought to rejoice or be sad at this intended journey, fell into a sudden thoughtfulness, which the other at that time took no notice of, but it served afterwards to corroborate the truth of something she was told, and proved of consequence little to be foreseen. The inconstant Count, in the meantime, satiated with Melanthe, and as much in love with Louisa as a man of his temper could be, was contriving all the ways his inventive wit could furnish him with, to get handsomely rid of the one and attain the enjoyment of the other. As he had spent many years in a continual course of gallantry, and had made and broke a thousand engagements, he easily found expedients for throwing off his intercourse with Melanthe, but none that could give him the least prospect of success in his designs on Louisa, while they lived together and continued friends. To part them, therefore, was his aim, and to accomplish it, the following method came into his head. On his first acquaintance with these ladies, his design was wholly on Louisa. But meeting a rebuff from her, his vanity, rather than his inclinations, had made him turn his devoirs to Melanthe, who, too easily yielding to his suit, served but to heighten his desires for the other, the extravagant fondness of that unhappy woman rendering her visibly uneasy at even the ordinary civilities she saw him behave with to any other, discovered to him that jealousy was not the least reigning foible of her soul, and the surest means to make her hate that person whom it was not the interest of his passion she should continue to love. When they were alone together one day at the place of their usual rendezvous, in the midst of the most tender endearments, he asked suddenly, if she had ever made Louisa the confidante of his happiness. She was a little surprised at the question, but answered that she had not, and desired to know the reason of that demand. "'Because,' cried he, "'I am very certain she is no friend to our loves, and by the manner in which she behaves to me, whenever she has the least opportunity of showing her ill-humour, I imagine she either knew or suspected the affair between us.' Melanthe conscious she had hid nothing from her, and also sensible of the little approbation she gave to her intrigue, was very much piqued that she should have done anything to make the Count perceive it. Whatever she suspects, 
cried she haughtily she ought not to treat with any ill manners a person whom i avow a friendship for vanity answered he sometimes gets the better of discretion in ladies of her years she knows herself handsome and cannot have a good opinion of the man who prefers any charms to her own i imagine this to be the cause why she looks on me with such disdain and whenever you are not witness of her words is so keen in satirical reflections on our first acquaintance she looked and spoke with greater softness and i can impute it to no other motive than the pride of beauty that this sudden change has happened all the time he was speaking the soul of melanthe grew more and more fired with jealousy it is natural for every one to imagine whatever they like is agreeable to others the distaste which louisa had on many occasions testified for the count seemed now to have been only affected the melancholy she had been in and the deep reverie she remembered she had fallen into when first she informed her of their amour joined to convince her that the advice she gave proceeded from a motive very different from what she pretended the wily count saw into the workings of her soul and while he seemed as if he would not discover the whole of his sentiments for fear of disobliging her threw out the plainest hints that louisa had made him advances which would have been very flattering to a heart not pre-engaged till melanthe not able to contain her rage broke out into fevered invectives against the innocent louisa the ungrateful wretch cried she how dare she presume to envy much less to offer an interruption to my pleasures what have i raised the little wretch to such a forgetfulness of herself that she pretends to rival her mistress and benefactress in the height of her resentment she related to the count in what manner she had taken her into service but that finding her as she imagined a girl of prudence she had made her a companion during her travels and as such treated her with respect and made others do so too but said she i will reduce her to what she was and since she knows not how to prize the honour of my friendship make her feel the severities of servitude nothing could be more astonishing and at the same time more pleasing to count bellefleur than this discovery what he felt for louisa could not be called love he desired only to enjoy her and the knowledge of her meanness together with melanthe's resentment which he doubted not but he should be able to improve to the turning her out of doors made him imagine she would then be humbled enough to accept of any offers he might make her pursuant to this cruel aim he told melanthe that now not thinking himself under any obligation to conceal the whole of the affair he must confess louisa had not only made him advances but gone so far as to discover a very great passion for him as i had never said he given her the least room to hope i was ambitious of any favours from her of that nature i could not help thinking she was guilty of some indecencies ill becoming a woman of condition as well as infidelity to her friendship for you whom she might well see i adored but alas i little suspected the obligations she had to you and now i know what she is am in the utmost consternation at her ingratitude imprudence and stupidity heavens added he could she have the vanity to imagine that the genteel garb you had put her in 
could raise her to such an equality as to make me hesitate one moment if i should give the balance of merit on her side and quit the amiable melanthe for the pert charms of her woman melanthe believing everything he said on this occasion was ready to burst with indignation which impatient to give vent to parted from her lover much sooner than she was accustomed in order to wreak on the poor louisa all that rage and malice could suggest that innocent maid little suspecting the misfortune that was falling on her was at ombre with some ladies who came to visit them when the furious melanthe came home and taking this opportunity of heightening her intended revenge by making it more public so minx said she to her after having made her compliments to the company you ape the women of fashion exceeding well as you imagine but hereafter know yourself and keep the distance that becomes you with these words she gave her a push from the table in so rough a manner that the cards fell out of her hand it is hard to say whether louisa herself or the ladies who were present were most astonished at this behaviour every one looked upon one another without speaking for some time at last louisa who wanted not spirit and on this occasion testified an uncommon presence of mind if i have seemed otherways than what i am madam said she it was your commands obliged me to it i never yet forgot myself and shall as readily resume what distance you are pleased to enjoin me insolent ungrateful wretch cried melanthe vexed to the soul to find her seem so little shocked at what she had done if i permitted you any liberties it was because i thought you merited them but get out of my sight and dare not come into it again until i send for you i shall obey you madam replied louisa and perhaps be as well pleased to be your servant as companion this resignation and seeming tranquillity under an insult she expected would have been so mortifying was the greatest disappointment could be given to melanthe and increased her rage to such a degree that she flew to her as she was going out of the room and struck her several blows using at the same time expressions not decent to repeat but such as in some unguarded moments women of quality level themselves with the vulgar enough to be guilty of this is a behaviour madam which demeans yourself much more than me said louisa and when reason gets the better of your passion i doubt not but you will be just enough to acknowledge you have injured me she got out of the room with these words but heard melanthe still outrageous in her reproaches but determined not to answer made what haste she could into her own chamber where having shut herself in she gave a loose to the distraction so unexpected an event must naturally occasion pride is a passion so incident to human nature that there is no breast whatever that has not some share of it and it would be to describe louisa such as no woman ever was nor ever can be especially at her years to say she was not sensibly touched at the indignity she had received from a person but a few hours before had treated her as pretty near an equality with herself nor was her amazement inferior to her grief when after examining with the utmost care all her words and actions she could find nothing in either that could possibly give occasion for this sudden turn from the present she cast thoughts back on past incidents of her life 
and comparing them together how cruelly capricious is my fate said she which never presents me with a good but to be productive of an adequate evil how great a blessing was the protection and tenderness i found from dorilaus yet how unhappy did the too great increase of that tenderness render me what now avails all the friendship received from melanthe but to make me the less able to support her ill-usage and what of what advantage is it to me that i am beloved by a man the most worthy to be loved since i am of a condition which forbids me to give any encouragement to his or my own wishes in this manner did she pour forth the troubles of her soul till the hour of supper being arrived melanthe's woman knocked at the chamber and louisa having opened it she told her that she was sorry to see such an alteration in the family but it was her ladyship's pleasure that she should eat at the second table it is very well said louisa resolving whatever she endured not to let melanthe see anything she could do disturbed her too much and in saying so went with her into the hall and sat down to table but with what appetite i leave the reader to guess melanthe who now hated her to a greater degree than ever she had loved her gave to the ladies who were with her the whole history of louisa as far as she knew of it and rather aggravated than in any way softened the mean condition from which she had relieved her but when they asked her what that unhappy creature had done to forfeit a continuance of her goodness she only answered in general that she had found her to be an ungrateful and perfidious wretch as she mentioned no particular influence on which this accusation was grounded every one was at liberty to judge of it as they pleased the accomplishments louisa was mistress of made every one convinced she had been educated in no mean way though by some accidents she might have been reduced to the calamities melanthe had so largely expatiated upon and more there were who pitied her than approved the behaviour of her superior some indeed who had envied the praises they had heard bestowed on her were rejoiced at her fall and made it a matter of mirth wherever they came and others again thought themselves affronted by having a person who they now found was no more than a servant introduced into their company and would never visit melanthe afterward the whole time she stayed in venice the affair however occasioned a great deal of discourse monsieur de plessis heard of it the next day related after different fashions the concern he was in was conformable to the passion he had for the fair occasion and both beyond what is ordinarily to be found in persons of his sex impatient to know the truth he went to melanthe's and she happening to be abroad he desired to speak to louisa but was told she was indisposed and could see no company these orders had been given by melanthe but were very agreeable to louisa herself who desired to avoid the sight of every one she had conversed with in a different manner from what she could now expect but of the whole world this gentleman she most wished to shun he concealed the trouble he was in as well as he was able and affecting a careless air told the person who answered him that he only came to ask if she had heard that last new song and that he would send it to her the moment he came home he sat down and wrote the following billet to the ever-charming louisa that invincible bar you mentioned yet made so great a secret of is at last revealed and i should be unworthy of the blessing i aspire to 
if I were unable to surmount it. Cruel Louisa, you little know me or the force of that passion you have inspired. To imagine that any difference which chance may have put between us can make the least alteration in my sentiments. It is to your own perfections I have devoted my heart, not to the merit or grandeur of your ancestors. What has my love to do with fortune or with family? Does a diamond lose anything of its intrinsic value for being presented by an unknown or an obscure hand? My eyes convince me of the charms of my adored Louisa. My understanding shows me those of her mind, and if heaven vouchsafes to bless me with so rich a jewel, I never shall examine whence it came. If therefore I am not so unhappy as to be hated by you, let not vain punctilios divide us, and as the first proof of my inviolable passion, permit me to remove you from a place where you have met with such unworthy treatment. I hope you wrong me not so far as to suspect I have any other designs on you than such as are consistent with the strictest honour. But to prevent all scruples of that nature from entering your gentle breast, I would wish to place you in a convent, the choice of which shall be your own, provided it may be where I sometimes may be allowed to pay my vows to you through the grate, till time shall have sufficiently proved my fidelity, and you shall prevail on yourself to recompense my flame by bestowing on me your hand and heart. The one I would not ask without the other, but both together would render the happiest of mankind your eternally devoted Duplessis. P.S. As I perceive it will be next to an impossibility to gain a sight of you while you continue with that ungenerous woman, I entreat to know by a line how I stand in your opinion, and if the offers I make you in the sincerity of my soul may be thought worthy your acceptance. This epistle he ordered his valet de chambre to give to her own hand, if there were a possibility of it, and the fellow so well executed his commission, being acquainted with Melanthe's servants, that he was carried directly up to her chamber. She was a little surprised to see him, because she knew it was contrary to Melanthe's commands that any one should see her, and doubted not but to find she was treated with any kind of respect would enhance her ill-humour to her. But she said nothing that discovered her sentiments on this point, and with all the appearance of a perfect ease of mind, asked what he had to deliver to her. "'Only a song, mademoiselle,' answered he, "'which my master ordered me to give you, and to desire you would let him know how you like it. He says it might be turned into an admirable duetto, and begs you would employ your genius on that score, and send it by me.' Poor Louisa, who took his words literally, and thought her present circumstances too discordant for the fulfilling his request, opened the supposed piece of music with an aching heart. But when she had perused it, and found the artifice her lover had made use of to communicate his generous intentions to her, "'It is extremely fine,' said she to the valet, "'and I will do what he requires to the best of my power, but fear I shall not be able to give it such a turn as he may expect.' "'If you please,' continued she, "'to wait a little, I shall not be long before I dispatch you.' In speaking these words, she went into her closet, and read over and over the offers he had made, in which, with the strictest examination, she could find nothing but what indicated the most perfect love, honour, and generosity. 
in the first transports of her soul she was tempted to comply but her second thoughts were absolutely against it those very reasons which would have prevailed with almost any other woman made her obstinate to refuse the more she found him worthy the less could she support the thoughts of giving him a beggar for a wife and the more she loved him the less could she content to be obliged to him so she took but a small time for consideration before she returned an answer in these terms to the most accomplished and most generous monsieur du plessis as it was not owing to my pride or vanity but merely compliance with the will of melanthe that my real meanness was made a secret i find it revealed without any mortification but monsieur the distance between us is not shortened by being known as the consciousness of my unworthiness remains with me and ever must do so i again repeat the impossibility of accepting your too generous passion and after this you will not wonder i should refuse those other obliging offers you are so good to make i left my native country with melanthe devoted myself to her service while she was pleased to continue me in it and only wait her commands for my doing so or to return to england i believe by what her woman told me this day the latter will be my fate think not however most truly worthy of your whole sex that i want eyes to distinguish your merits or a heart capable of being influenced by them perhaps too deeply for my own future peace this is a confession i would not have made were i ever to see you more but as i am determined to shut myself from all the world during my abode at venice i thought i owed this little recompense to the generous affection you express for me and had rather you should think anything of me than that i am ungrateful louisa p s i beg monsieur after this you will not attempt either to speak or write to me when she had sent this away she fell into fresh complainings at the severity of her fate which constrained her to refuse what most she languished for the uncertainty how she should be disposed of was also a matter of grief she was at this time a prisoner in melanthe's house she had sent several messages to that lady by her woman entreating to know in what she had offended but could receive no other answer than abuses without one word which gave her the least light into the cause of this strange treatment but that morning she was informed by the same woman that her lady protested she should never more come into her presence and that she would send her home this as she had wrote to monsieur de plessis seemed highly probable as there was no appearance of a reconciliation and the thoughts in what manner she should begin her life again on her return filled her with many anxieties which joined to others of a different nature rendered her condition truly pitiable it was in the midst of these perplexing meditations that word was brought her from melanthe that she must prepare for her departure on the ensuing day it was in vain she again begged leave to see her and to be made acquainted with the reason of her displeasure but the other would not be prevailed upon but sent her a purse sufficient to defray the expenses of her journey to england and bid her woman tell her she had no occasion to repine for she turned her away in a much better condition than she had found her 
End of chapter 14